Welcome to the Arena Church Podcast. We hope you enjoy the message. Last week, today, and next week is something that we, we, we describe as you asked for it. You asked for it. Now, what did you ask for? Well, over the year, we've been pulling t- questions together and just talking with people. And there was two or three things that were clearly identified as being an issue in people's lives or things that they were working through. For instance, last week, Stephen brilliantly addressed the whole thought of how do I forgive? It's a really difficult thing because how do you express forgiveness to people who've really hurt you badly? And if you weren't here last week, I'd encourage you to listen to the podcast. Next week, Josh is going to be handling the great subject as we lead into Christmas of how do we handle stress? Because it's one of the most brilliant times, Christmas, but it's one of the most stressful times for a lot of people because of present buying and pulling food together and, you know, organizing yourself. And, you know, it's going to be addressing not just Christmas, but just life in general, handling stress. But today it's my joy, you asked for it, to talk about how do I handle difficult people? (laughs) Or how do I deal with? with difficult people. Now what's interesting, when the teaching team were putting this together, which I'm part of the teaching team, immediately the other guys there says, you need to handle this one. And I don't know whether that's because I'm difficult or I have the most experience in handling difficult people. I'm still trying to figure it out. But anyway, I've sought to really just get something of just a handle on this particular subject. The other interesting thing to notice, this series, You Ask For It, is very people-centered. Because all these things are really around people, even stress. You know, one of the greatest stresses that we have is people-related. It can be. Certainly, how do we handle people is all about people. And forgiveness, that's all about people as well. So we're talking about people-centric issues today. But before I, I dive into it, I was just going through my archive of funny stories I've got loads of them and if you want to send me some clean funny stories then please uh, email them to us and at some point I'll get round to them and maybe even reference them and I have occasions where I go into this and then I don't do it for a little while and I just feel like I'm in this season where I just want to lighten the mood is that okay so there was a police officer who jumped into his police car and he calls the station he says I have an interesting case here A woman has shot her husband for stepping on the floor that she's just mopped. (laughs) Have you arrested her? The sergeant replied. No, not yet. The floor's still wet. (laughs) This sounds like a difficult person to to deal with. And uh, I trust there's no women wives who are going to do that with their husbands. I'm not advocating that at all okay but the reality is we all come across difficult people you know relationships bring the greatest pleasure to life but they also bring the greatest pain anybody who's got a little bit of gray hair on the head knows what I'm talking about can I hear you know a hand wave you know they bring the greatest pleasure to life but they also bring the greatest pain You know, there can be difficulties with 
husband and wife, spouse. There can be difficulties with children. There can be difficulties with siblings. There can be difficult with aunts and uncles or with parents. There can be difficulties at work with people who you spend a lot of time with. There can be difficulties for those who are in college or in school. Schoolmates that you spend a lot of time with. There are people who are maybe from university and, you know, they're in a dorm and, you know, they're in, they're in the, 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 uni, the uni digs and there's difficulties. Yeah. Relationships can create difficulties. And whilst I address different contexts, let me just throw a word in there, church. Because church is not exempt from difficulties. And this is part of the problem if you're new to church or new to faith or trying to go on a journey. Oftentimes, we can think that everybody who's here is perfect. And let me burst the bubble. We're not. We're all on a journey. All at different stages of the journey. If we're sincere in our faith, we'll continue to walk towards all that God wants to do in and through us. Can I hear an amen? But the reality is we're all on a journey to try and get recovered. To try and get the sinful man out of us and get more of God in us. Can I hear an amen? And church is one of the most difficult places at times to navigate relationships. This is why unfortunately if you've come from a church, you've been in a church, I use the word toxic, some church environments can be toxic because relationships in there are fractured and are breaking down and we're not helping people to mature them to the point where they can handle difficult people. Over my time of leading church, there have been people who have been difficult and I'm not looking at anybody, but there have been people who've been difficult, but they've gone on a journey as I have, because I wasn't the most easy person to deal with. Those who have been here for some time know that as I started, hopefully there's been more God's grace. It's not mellowing, it's God's grace that's just washed over me and continues to wash over me. Because, you know, if we don't allow that you know, we, we still remain in our difficultness. Am I making sense? And we want to be, we want to get free. We want to know what it is to, how to live free one with another. The Bible has a lot to say about this particular subject because we can often think, well, what, what's this got to do with the Bible? I want to, I want to hear, hear some theology pack, packed out. Let me tell you, we, we're going to get a lot of Bible in here because the Bible, for those who have no understanding of this book, called the Bible, this book is all about and has a lot to say about relationships. From start to finish, it's all about relationships. There is so much narrative in these pages of families and individuals. Let me give you an example of it. At the very beginning, there was two brothers by the name of Cain and Abel. And we see the narrative and I love how God has allowed us to not just see the good things, but to also to see the ugly things. It would have been very easy for God to have concealed and kept away all the ugliness of the narrative of the individuals and families, but he didn't. He wanted us to see, he wanted us to learn. He wanted us to walk into something. And we see with this brothers, there was... There was jealousy, there was envy, there was anger to the point where God himself comes to Cain and says, sin is crouching at your door. It desires to master you, but you must overcome it. What was this about? 
his difficulty with his brother. Unfortunately, he didn't. And he ended up murdering him. That's at the very start of the pages. What about the man, if you're not new to, if you're new to church, you'll know it because it's the man who had a coat of many colours. Who am I talking about? Joseph. You know, we read the narrative of Joseph. It's quite wonderful, really. And, and we see there, you know, his, his, his life, his journey. But what I found interesting about it, he was born into a spiritual dynasty. I mean, these were spiritual, you know, dad who he's been born into. But the dysfunctionality of the relationships was unbelievable. Because his dad favoritized him, clearly favoritized him by buying him a coat. And what did his brothers think like, feel, every time Joseph walked in the room? There's the son who the dad loves, and he loves him more than me. Hello? The dysfunctionality of relationship. And then we know the story of David and Goliath. David fought Goliath because he wanted to please the king. He killed Goliath. And then guess what? The king wanted to kill him. All he'd done was good to this king Saul. All he'd done was serve. All he did was just bless. But what happened was... Now this, this king, King Saul, wanted to kill David. Let me move on to the New Testament. I'm just trying to paint you a picture. You know, there was an, a bit of a story in there where we see there was a big fallout with 12 guys. These 12 guys were not just random guys. These were guys who Jesus individually picked. And there was a big fallout. Why was that? Because there was a mom in the midst of that who was saying, I want my son to be at the left-hand side and to be at the right. And they were all kicking off. They weren't kicking off necessarily because of that. They were kicking off because they hadn't thought about it. That's why they were kicking off. There was dysfunction. There was difficulties in the relationship. And one of the greatest pioneers of the New Testament, and I want to encourage you to really get into your Bibles uh, you know, into 2018. I'll come to that. Allow this book to live in your heart. You know, it is the source of life. It is the source of help. And you'll read a man in the New Testament by the name of Paul. And Paul was really good buds with this guy by the name of Barnabas. I mean, they were massive buds. They, you know, they, they were BFF, best friends forever. They really were. They were just really close and tight and, you know, let's get down and we're, we're the boys. Okay, I've, I've, it's got to be a bit of a strut. You don't, it's not a, you know... Um, but what happened, read the, read the story. It, it, I mean, it's beautiful, the language of the Bible. It says, there was a sharp disagreement. <laughs> Let me tell you, there was a punch-up. Now, I'm not talking physically. There was, there was a, a, not just a fracture. There was a complete breakdown of their relationship. These BFFs now no longer you know, BFFs. And this is all in the Bible. Yeah, it's in the Bible. So don't you think this subject has nothing to do with the Bible? And don't you think it has, think to yourself, it has no relevance to me because the Bible has a lot to say. How do we handle difficult people? I love this prayer that I came across. God, I am thankful for all those difficult people in my life. They have shown me exactly who I do not want to be. And that can be the reality, you know, difficult people that come into our lives, relationships, work colleagues, etc. And I've realized that relationships fracture because people 
are different. And different is difficult. If you're taking notes, I want to say that again. People are different and different is difficult. Caroline and I, 25 years, married. You know, those who have seen us, we're very different. I'm big, she's small. I'm loud, she's more quiet. But there are some things that we've really had to work through. We've really had to get a handle on. And I said to her, I'm going to say something. She said something to me last night. I says, right, I'm telling the people. I'm telling the people. This is it. I'm telling the people. This is... Oh, yeah, off your chair. Now you've all got your notepads and pens, haven't you? Now you all want it. Now you've all got your, your phones out wanting to record it. Yeah, well, it's not that juicy. I'm sorry. But, you know, I've had to really adjust and Caroline's had to really adjust because, well, let me ask you a question. If, if we was going to play, if you thought one of us was going to be, have, have the loud music, who was that going to be? It's not true. Caroline wants to play music a hundred, you know, on the stereo. And this is where we came from. This is why I'm, I said, I'm going to tell the people. Because I walked into the kitchen, the music's blasting out. I couldn't, I said to her, I can't, I can't hear myself think. Well, you've never liked the music loud, she says to me. No, I haven't. And I says, I'm going to tell the people now. They, they all think you're quiet and serene and... And you're the loud one. It's not, it's not me who's the loud one. It's you who's the loud one. And the music, so she's like putting it up even more. I'll show him. She wasn't actually, you know, that's a little bit of VAT on it, okay. But, you know, we're different. And different is often difficult. It's funny, you know, even when I think about Caroline, she likes the blanket right up, quilt right up, and then she'll get another blanket over her. I, I'm just kicking the legs out. Anybody know what I'm talking about? I need my top covered, but I need my legs out. Anybody with me on that? And she's moaning, you get the quilt on, and she's, I don't want the jolly quilt. And then she's talking about wanting an electric blanket. I mean, what is all that about? I said to if we go down the electric blanket room, we're having separate beds, I'm telling you now. <laughs> People are different, and different can be difficult. Caroline likes salads and vegetables. I like meat. <laughs> you don't get fizzy like this, just a salad and vegetables. Anybody know what I'm talking about? She likes mild. Guess what? I like hot and spicy. Let's move on. The point that I'm making is people are different. And different can be difficult. It can be difficult. Let me take you to a few Bible verses. They're going to come on the screen. I want to just take your attention for a moment to 2 Timothy in chapter 2. And this is what it says. And we're going to read three passages of Scripture pretty much directly after one, one another. And then I've just to just draw it all to the end. I've just got three or four things, really quick headlines. that I just want to help us in this scenario of how we navigate and deal with different and difficult people. This is what it says. It says, again, I say, 
Don't get involved in foolish. Everybody say foolish. foolish. Ignorant. Everybody say ignorant. ignorant. Arguments. Let's say that again. Just read this bit with me. Again, I say, involved in foolish, ignorant arguments. Because they only start fights. Let's carry on. A servant of the Lord, which by the way is not just talking about me. We're all servants of the Lord, aren't we? If we know Jesus. Must not be quarrelsome, but must be kind to everyone. Be able to teach and be patient with difficult people. Let me just take you to the original word difficult. And it's true if you want to check it out. The New Testament was written in Greek. The Greek word around that is hard, harsh, and annoying. Anybody ever had said about them, you are annoying. Look at the person next to you. No, don't say it. Okay, don't say it. Because you'll be sat next to your spouse or whatever. We see the Bible is helping us because it's saying don't get involved in these Foolish, ignorant arguments. I'll come to that later. But actually, we need to not be quarrelsome. But we need to be kind. We need to be patient with difficult people. Let me take you to James in chapter 4, reading from the message version. It says this. Where do you think all these appalling wars and quarrels come from? Do you think they just happen? No, think again. They come about because you want your own way. Personalize it to yourself now. And they fight for it deep inside themselves. You lust for what you don't have and are willing to kill to get it. You want what isn't yours and will risk violence to get your hands on it. You wouldn't think of just asking God for it, would you? And why not? Because you know you'd be asking for what you have no right to. You're spoiled children. Each wanting your own way. Again, we see a context in which the writer is speaking to the church, a group of Christians, addressing the issues that were in their relationships and how poignant and how powerful these Words are in today's, in today's 21st century. And then we take you to, I think, one of the most profound passages in the New Testament. And it's something that you, I've said this many times. I've committed to memory. I want to take your attention to, for a moment to Galatians in chapter 5. And in these moments, I'm just allowing God's word to just wash over us here today. God's word just needs to do his work without any narrative of mine. Because they're in the Bible. These words are powerful. And we see in Galatians in chapter 5 and verse 19. It says this. When you follow the desires of your sinful nature. The results are very clear. Sexual immorality. Impurity. Lustful pleasures. Idolatry. And sorcery. I mean these are big things. But then it talks about hostility, quarreling, jealousy, outbursts of anger, selfish ambition, dissensions, division, envy, drunkenness, wild parties, and other sins like these. Have you noticed the list? He doesn't separate the major sins. 
Because we do, with the minor sins, it puts them all together. In God's eyes, these are our sins. It puts drunkenness with idolatry and sorcery. But what I love about God, I heard this statement recently, that he doesn't leave us stranded on the island of sin. Because all this just points to the sinful life in which we can walk in. Let's be clear. Every one of us at some point have done these things. And you might be here still doing these things. But I want to encourage you today. God has not left you stranded on the island of sin. But he has sent a bridge called Jesus to rescue you from your island. So you can walk into forgiveness and freedom. Because then he goes on to say, but the Holy Spirit produces this kind of fruit in our lives. What kind of fruit? Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. I am so, so grateful to God that he didn't leave me stranded. He didn't leave us stranded. But he said, the Holy Spirit has come. And he has been poured out, not so you can babble in tongues, and please don't get offended by that. Not even so you can prophesy. And of course, there is the gifts of the Spirit which God gives to us. But I wish in some ways the church would rise up, not just in the gifts, but also the fruit. The fruit of our lives should be different. God is looking for a difference from our lives. We're just different in the way we act. We're not prudish. It's not that we can't laugh. It's not that we can't. We should be the life and soul of the party. But there's something about our lives that's so different, so distinct, so out there, that people just know it. They've been in the presence of something that's that's just good and wholesome and pure and right. And that only comes through the work of the Spirit. You see, the problem with difficult people, let's all point it to ourselves now, the problem with my life and the problem with any relationships is this, there is a problem of sin and selfishness. Because at the root of it, sin has entered the world and every one of us, every one of us without a doubt has been given this from birth, from sin, selfishness. And God comes, we heard it in the in the prayer of what Josh prayed. You know, it's funny how you don't need to just talk about what scriptures you just, there's a flow of God. God came to bring liberty and freedom. You know, God's heart is to bring the church to maturity, which means into freedom. And one of the things that we're absolutely committed to, to doing is helping people to know God and to find freedom. We want you to find freedom. We want you to come to maturity. This is why we teach the way that we do on Sundays. This is why we encourage you into small groups. Big shout out to our small group leaders here. You do an amazing job, guys. Big shout out to our kids' church workers and our youth teams who are gathering people. Those who are in the 18s to 30s, you just do an incredible job. Why are you gathering them? To bring people to a place of freedom. You're getting free and they're getting free. That's what it's about. Small groups are all about a place, a smaller place where you can gather and you can talk things through and pray things through and work things through. So if you want to be in a small group, give your name down at Resource Hub. If you want to be a small group leader, give us your name and we'll go through a whole process of what that looks like. Because we want to help people into freedom. 
in these closing minutes that I've got with you, we've obviously highlighted the issues. But when I went through my life, I thought, I still haven't addressed how do I help people. So it's four very simple things that really in themselves we could take probably four weeks to work through. And I'd encourage small group leaders that are here possibly to take a note and why not use it as a point of discussion because every single one of us, this is without, without exclusion, will have to face this in your life. So I think one of the things that I've learned in terms of handling difficult people, first and foremost, is to lean into God. You know, if you're, a, if you're a person who's on the journey to faith or you don't know Jesus as your Lord and Savior, and at the end, I'm going to give you an opportunity if you'd like to respond to Jesus, just the prayer of, yeah, I'd like to know more about Jesus. I'd like him to be my Lord and Savior. Then we'll give an opportunity at the end. But honestly, there's a lot of people here who know the Lord. And often we trip up here because we don't lean into God. I spoke about the great expectations from Ephesians 3 verse 20. And it talks about his power that is at work within us. We get all hung up. You know what his power is useful for me? To help me to live right. It's not just about praying for the sick. It's not just about seeing breakthroughs and planting churches. This power of work in me helps me to live my life as he would like me to live it. And by the way, I can't do it without him because I've tried it. Even when I knew him. I thought if I, if I just work with good deeds, if I read more, if I pray more, if I'm more diligent, it doesn't work like that. It's only as we lean into him, as we lean into God. So there are some prayers that I pray just to help you. This is just to underline it. As I say, we haven't got time to unpack it. I pray this prayer regularly over myself. Holy Spirit. And by the way, the Holy Spirit is a person. He's not a power. The Holy Spirit is part of the Godhead. The Holy Spirit is here on earth. He is here. Jesus is interceding at the side of his Father, and the Holy Spirit has been released. And if you want more information on that, I'm not being funny. Go and talk to Phil Pye, our teaching pastor. It'll help you to really get a grasp. Could he is? I've tried to help my kids in all this. How does all this work? But I want to tell you the Holy Spirit has been released on, on the earth, and he is the one who is able to help us. And my prayer that I pray regularly is this Holy Spirit, help me today with my actions and reactions because I know what I'm capable of anybody know what I'm talking about I'm capable of exploding I'm capable of getting angry I'm capable of getting worked up you might not manifest it like that but you might go quiet you might go a bit mardy you might go a bit moody but it's the same thing so Holy Spirit help me with my actions and reactions and this year I felt the Lord say to me I want a lot more love in your life Christian I want a lot more love in your, in your life. I want a lot more love in your, in your, in your life for your, for your kids and for your wife and for the church. I'd like to say that that is, is happening. I believe it is. But in some ways, it's a slow process. Because he's trying to still get the selfishness out of me. But this is what he says in 1 Corinthians 13, which isn't on the screen. And I pray this. And I just want to make sure I think I could pray it without reading it. And I use this as a pray. I've actually got in my Bible, I pray this through. And it says there, love is patient. I pray this through. Love is, I was talking to Brindley about this. Love is patient. Love is kind. It does not envy. It does not boast. It is not proud. 
It does not dishonor others. It is not self-seeking. It is not easily angered. And it keeps no record of wrongs. Love does not delight in evil, but rejoices with the truth. It always protects. It always trusts. It always hopes. It always perseveres. Love never fails. I pray this over me. It's become, it's become a prayer to me. It's more than just Bible verses. It's become a prayer. There's some areas in this that I don't actually suffer with too much now. But there's some that I do. I don't suffer with the envy, I have to say. I don't. I may have done years ago, but I don't now. But I tell you what, I can easily get angered. And the only way we're going to change how we handle ourselves and how we handle difficult people is by leaning into God. Secondly, very quickly, if we're going to really navigate our way through this, I try and understand. Now, before you all stop, well, I've had a conversation with you and you haven't under, understood. Often what I find in relationships, people just want to be understood, but they don't want to understand. I want to tell you, I try and understand. As a pastor, I try and understand what is happening. But I will say this, there are certain contexts where people don't want to understand you. And there's only one way of looking at things. This is what I'm talking about. You know, if we're going down this route of me, myself and I, or it's all about me, we've got problems. Remember, the problem is sin and selfishness. So I try and understand. If we want to be understood, we have to first try and understand. So one of the things is what I ask myself, I wonder why the reaction is this. As I'm listening, why? I wonder why they're doing this. And I've often said to Lisa and Julie and just some of the team, everybody has a story. People say, actually, there's a lot more grace. And the grace is because I understand people's stories. Everybody has got a story. Everybody has got some dysfunctionality in, in, our, in our closet somewhere. Hello, am I speaking to anybody? There are no perfect people here, and I'm not trying to be rude. There's some great people, but we're not perfect. And if we live like we're perfect and we get it all right, we're going to end up rubbing everybody up the wrong way. We're all on a journey for God to do something deep in our lives. We all need to change. Can I hear a big amen? And so I ask the question when I'm dealing with people, what's going on? Why are they reacting the way they're reacting? What's the story? Why are they behaving the way that they're behaving? And then here's another thing. If I'm then tempted to react, I then have to think to myself, why am I tempted to react like this? You see, I'm asking it all the time. If we're going to navigate difficult people and relationships, and if we're going to keep unity in this church, we better start applying some of these things, guys. Because what I failed to say is the, the enemy, the one thing he will come, and, and, and people get all worked up with, you know, finances and the whole sexual side of splitting churches. And of course it has. But the, most of the time that I've seen where relationships, church, families have been absolutely ravaged has been because of a disunity and a toxic nature that comes into the church and murmurings and grumblings and foolish arguments and foolish talk. And we've got to keep away from that. Number three, quickly. Not only do we need to try and understand, don't enter into foolishness. Lisa uh, Harrison taught me this. You taught me this. Many, many years ago, you said, I will not enter into people's foolishness. It's true. It's been a great leadership lesson for me. Because it talks about in Timothy, foolish, ignorant arguments. It says, don't get involved in them. You know, when you get into a, if you get into a conversation that you said and I said and you did this and I did this, I'm telling you, it's going nowhere fast. That's right. This one-up kind of thing, yeah. where you can get somewhere, is, is there a spirit of reconciliation? Yeah. 
Is the spirit of listening? Are we going to try and work through? Are we going to agree and yet, sorry, disagree and yet agree? Just try and, we're not going to enter into foolishness. Every time I've got myself in trouble in this church, every time I've got myself trouble in relationships, it's because I've entered into their foolishness. By the way, sometimes it's been my foolishness as well. But I've entered into foolish, ignorant arguments that are not worth it. Am I speaking to anybody here? They're not worth it. If we've entered into them, going back to last week, and we need to go and make repair, please can I implore you, go and make repair. Swallow your pride and mean it from your heart and just say, and even if they don't, they, they will not listen to you. You have done everything that you can do to make this relationship right. And I believe if we'll have the, this kind of attitude, then we'll guard ourselves against things that can come against us. Lastly, and this is so difficult, and you could go and listen to 12 steps of how to handle difficult people. They're all over the YouTube. They're all over motivational, mind thinking, all that kind of stuff. That's fine, but that's why I started leaning to God. You can't do it if you don't lent into God, particularly the last one. Fourthly, stay calm. I have an inability to stay calm if I haven't asked the Holy Spirit to help me with my actions and reactions. Because my natural bias is not to be calm, as you can hear me now on the stage. My natural bias is to raise a few decibels. My natural bias is to put my work boots on, my soul, and we're going to battle. It's not always good. Not every fight is worth entering into. Hello? And we have to stay calm. I was with the elders. Steve probably can remember this a few weeks, a few months ago. And I was just, I've been talking with them. We have a time where we just have a devotional time and just a time of prayer, which is always good. And then we, then we work things through. And I honor the, 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 the elders and the guys who help us with that. They've done an, an incredible job this year with, with quite a lot of pressure. Julie has had a lot of pressure because of the Aviva and there's been a lot of things Steve's helping us with one or two things as well so thanks to the elders they're not all here Neil and Andy and Phil and Josh and Stephen have been sitting around the table and Julie and have I missed anybody no that's great um I just wanted to make sure because you can Paul sorry Paul Stokes sorry Paul if you're listening to this I didn't miss you out on purpose I don't want a difficult conversation with you okay (laughs) But I was sharing, let's get to it quickly because time's gone. Proverbs 25, verse 28, it's going to come on the screen. And I, t- I t- was teaching about this. It's out of what I'm learning, what I've learned this year and last year. And it says here, like a city whose walls are broken through is a person who lacks self-control. Like a city whose walls are broken through is a person who lacks Self-control. Let's read what it says from the message version of the same verse. A person without self-control is like a house with its doors and windows knocked out. You know, if we're going to stay calm, we've got to lean into God and we say, God, I'm going to to apply the fruit of the Spirit, which is self-control, the last thing on the list. I'm going to allow... I'm going to allow the Spirit of God to so control me that I'm not going to erupt. I'm not going to get angry. I'm going to stay calm. And you know, when I pray these kind of prayers, honestly, the the guys have seen me. There's times when they know that I'm I'm, I'm pushing, because there's things that can push your buttons. Hello? But 
Increasingly so, I'm asking the Lord, Lord, I don't want any buttons that can be pushed. I'm not talking about not dealing with issues. I'm talking about that there's not, I'm not going to erupt because there's a self-control that's happening in my life. I want to find a place where I can stay calm and I can create space for me to deal with this situation. You know, oftentimes all we need is the space to step back to deal with it. I'm not speaking to anybody. If you're dealing with it, you know, it's just, now it's difficult if you've got somebody right in your face. And I've had that on occasions. I've had that on occasions. It's very, very difficult. Some people cower when that happens. If you're like me, a bit more feisty, then something rises in you. And, it, and, that's, and that's not good. Because I want to express Jesus. So Jesus, in that moment, I want to stay calm. Give me the space to literally step back. What I've realized is emails that come through, yeah. comments that people make, particularly with the emails, it's easier. I actually sometimes will not respond for 24 hours because I need space because I've been tempted otherwise to respond and the reaction will not be good. As Lisa often says, it will not end well. (laughs) So I create space, stay calm. Four practical things, lean into God, try and understand, don't enter into foolishness and stay calm. I hope I've got your attention. I hope it's been helpful. Because we want to know how to deal with difficult uh, mobile phones that keep going off in the service. (laughs) No, we want to know how to handle difficult people. I wonder if we'd just bow our heads for a moment. Who's the phone? Is it yours? No? Just turn it off, whoever it is, because I'm going to pray. Please. I wonder if the guy...